Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 What's that? Welcome to this episode, very special episode of Shoplifting. Uh, I'm Liv Siddle and I'm here with Nick Stamey and we are joined by uh, a guest we've been overly excited about seeing all day, Ryan Adams. Hi Ryan. Hello. How's it going? It's it's going good, how are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. Thanks awesome. for asking. Um, we just watched you play an in-store at Rough Trade East, which was wonderful. Oh, I wish I'd known about it. I would have gone. Yeah. <laughs> smashed it. I think that was good. Oh, he smashed it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was real good. Everyone in the crowd came in really happy and then left um, really quiet. <laughs> oh, that that sounds traumatic. <laughs> um, but I guess the reason you're in London is to promote uh, your new record, Prisoner. Yes. How is, I guess you did like 10 hours of promo yesterday. How was it? Um, It was okay. I just stayed in the moment, talked about it, you know. Um do you mind talking about it? No, sometimes it's weird, but um, but mostly I I just try to give a genuine response. I don't really think about it ahead of time, and then I just do it. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it's usually okay. I haven't had too many bad experiences in the last bit. I, I hope this isn't going to be. <laughs> no, it's weird. Stay tuned. It's never during. It's never during. It's always something later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, I feel like you can tell when an American journalist is going to flame you, <laughs> but you can't tell when English, or I typically can't tell. It's, uh, it's a reserve that they have. They're like polite, but like in a weird cutting way, I think. So <laughs> Is that really what you think? Yeah, I think that, yeah. I always, often think people are just being smart asses to me all the time. <laughs> Did, well, the last time it happened for me, which was on this cycle, um, there was no way of telling. Even the guy wanted to stay after and hang out and watch me play live on WFUV from the studio. But he was so nice. It, and we did like this thoughtful, deep conversation. And then I, and then some, someone, I never read my stuff. But someone just goes, have you seen this thing? I'm like, what? Like, do I want to know? And they're like, in this instance, probably. And I was like, oh, oh man. And then they're like, okay, like I'm just going to do it one at a time. Oh, and then I, I was like, oh, man. That's so incredibly funny. mean. It is really mean. I, um, it's really mean. It's uh, it's cruel. Like, musicians are just making music. We're making records. So it's bizarre to kind of go, I think it's really hurtful to, to rub anyone's face in their mistakes or their youth or their past or after a time you have to let stuff go and let people grow up and but what's worse is to sort of go like be meaningful and go out of your way and spend an hour or something and talk about things go deep within yourself and then realize they didn't use any of it (laughs) yeah it was terrible but it happens all the time yeah and it's strange too because i felt like it would happen more um i always feel like that should happen if i play metal like it should be like cut like there should be a cutting sense of like like that's like your, you know, like it's all fair game because it would like, be expected to be. Yeah, kind of. like progressive <laughs> music, so it's weird when it's not that. Yeah, well, I think personally, I think you've gotten an unfair rap sometimes about that. I think it's like one of those things that people could write about because that's you know they're not doing their homework and it's just you know. Yeah, maybe that happens. I think that that's possible. Maybe that someone's just like, well, I gotta go on what information I could find that's loose. Um, but uh, 
I don't know. It's like it happens and it's interesting on a sociological level. It's interesting like thinking about people and different stuff. But, uh, um, you know, you don't really let it linger. It's just a thing to talk about later that's weird. Yeah. So you're also releasing the album in a box set as a collection of singles through your website. And I'd like to hear more about the idea behind that and how you chose the songs uh, to be B-sides for each single. Well, um, so there are so much, there were so many things made for this record and there were so many things that were clearly this record that eventually in the process, it went so long that I got into this flow in the studio where I think I was driving past the record to like this cool record that's like four records from now, which was interesting. And I didn't really think about it. And I let it be what it was. And then when it was time to figure out what record we had, um, I focused on that. And then the surprise was um, that the people who were helping me steer towards focusing on what I were doing were like, hey, we should do a box. And I was like, yeah. I'm down. Yeah. And then I came up with the concept. I said, we should do it like singles and just make it all singles. And they were like, whoa, would that work? And I was like, yeah, because it's like it reminds me of the Smiths, but like, but you make it, we make it so as though they would have come out in that way with a B side or two. Yeah. And where stuff matches. But I had to hold some stuff back because some stuff, um, was there's a continuity to certain stuff that isn't on this record and isn't in the box that I feel like might eventually be something, depending on. I mean, I just got to do this now, but there's a thing that's like a second. Uh, it's not like a shadow of this record, but it's like another. I feel like it's an even deeper, even crazier even more urgent uh, part of what I did. Yeah. And then other parts of it, um, they're so, they're just so, there's a really romantic side to, to this record where you, it's hinted at in this one. And those songs I held back on. Yeah. But it wasn't like I went, okay, where are the crap ones? They were all good. Yeah. And then so I <laughs> kind of went, for each song on the record, what's their shadow? What's the flip side or the mirror of them right. or something cool that I know would – it's like what – B-sides to me are always fun. B-sides B are either supposed to be the A-side or they're supposed to really be like you show your teeth or you like you take a turn, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of how I sort of imagined uh, – that's how I imagined it. Uh, well, I, I'm guessing because you're such a big record collector yourself, I think that's why a, a lot of your fans are kind of that same, you know, like to geek out on this sort of thing because you do, you know, you understand the plight of the people that love buying records, I feel like, you know, and that's, uh, it shows in the stuff that you put out, which is really cool, I think. Yeah, records matter. Yeah, they do. Nick showed me the box set and he showed me like the pull out thing with the lights that happens. <laughs> That is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, we clicked on both for some time, just watching it flush. Did it have sound? No, there's no, no sound on the on the website yet, though. Oh. I suppose to to explain to listeners who can't see that image, I guess it's like a, a fold out stage, and the band is they're kind of figurines, or are they kind of card they kind of cardboard stand. They open up in the back so that they they're actually based on these Halloween. Um, I love vintage Halloween stuff, like from you know, twenties uh, and thirties and forties and fifties and. Um, they were 
yeah, I tried to get actual action figure made with different stuff and make different ones for different box sets. And this is really interesting, but they're really hard to make and, and they haven't gotten – they're getting easier to make now. But in order to actually get the um, – to, to get the figures made, you have to get this mother made. Like the mother is the – it's like it's like the acetate of a record, or it's like the steel mother of a record, and then all the records are based on that oh, the yeah. opposite grooves. But so, for an action figure, it's got to be a little bit bigger than the figure. It's a um, not even injection molded. It's sometimes steel, and it's two sides, and it has to be able to go together in a certain way oh, so yeah. that they could harden the plastic. Oh, yeah. Which is so there's a whole process. And what's weird is I guess that. I mean, even in the 80s, I guess it was a little difficult to do it, but some of those places had a factory that that's what they bought that equipment for, and that's what it was. So now a lot of it's antiquated and maybe more difficult to get done, and only a few people do it, and um, we just couldn't get it done. So I, di I didn't give up, though. I was like, I kept looking around and thinking about it, and I was like, oh, wait. And I sent a picture um, to one of my managers of when I was looking through vintage Halloween stuff just to do it. And and I saw these figurines that were that had like a fishtail tea tails on them that you could laminate and you can make them really cool. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm like, that actually is the same sort of concept as on like the ACDC pinball machine or even the Rolling Stones. They're sort mm -hmm. of these plastic figures except for they're bolted in. So I went, it'll still work. The idea of a stage folding out and the band members there and the amps, it all makes sense. But there's stuff hidden there that you don't know about that I can't tell you. And it does more uh, than just that. Well, I can't wait. <laughs> the cool thing is, is you'll never actually figure out all it does. And the person that gets it, whether they get the golden ticket with the one-of-a-kind seven-inch that's in 10 of them, 10 yeah. or 12 of them, there's a, a record I only made straight to final and it's me performing a song one time so don't, that's the only one that exists the capital right no or, that was actually electric lady oh, they okay. bought one of those old actual record making machines so i just it took really long to make each one because they had to trigger the machine themselves because the tokens didn't work and then um from there uh they also like we had to make sure that they didn't skip and then they worked right and um so what I thought was just going to take an hour or two took two two nights, two full nights. Wow. Yeah, and there was a bunch that messed up. So I stayed until I could get it done. And then because I just was like, I want these to be in there. Yeah. I, I, that's so fun that's to me, cool, yeah. the concept. Because the person <laughs> that gets it will be so happy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Nick's going to have, like, sleepless nights now <laughs> until the postman I have comes. the worst <laughs> luck in the world. So this is, you know, this is. Well, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a stuff hidden. There's stuff that you. Um, there's no way that anybody will figure out until I tell them or until I tweet something. There's no way that a p person that holds the box can know until I give them a sign. And then they're going to know something. I mean, you could do whatever you want. There's You could rip it apart. You could do it. You're not going to. There's no way that you can. You can't conceptualize the thing that I did. Well, the internet world is going to go mad when they find this out. No, it's Message really cool. boards will be all a buzz. <laughs> I thought about it for a really long time, and I was studying a lot of different um, – I was thinking about the um, the guys that were making that code every year, and people had to follow, and they didn't know all aspects of research history and um, decoding 
stuff and historical things and things from literature and I was just thinking about how to do it and, and I, I think I I think I got it. So we'll see what happens. I can't wait. It's so nice when people start discovering it. Like remember when that guy was the first person to realize it when you took that Bowie record out in the sunshine, like And it was all over the internet. And yeah, then and suddenly people he was like, like I found crazy. it. It is yeah. like kind of like like Charlie what's the what's his name? Charlie in the chocolate factory, like yeah. running down the street like Whoa, <laughs> I got it. What happened with the Bowie record? If you leave it out in the sunlight, the new one, it like it turns in the cover turns into like stars, like a like kind a of constellation. constellation. Oh wow. You know, obviously take the record out. And like the middle bit where the stars cut out, it like but then the guy said that had something to do with creative said that there's other stuff as well, but yeah, like, but no they one's found it yeah, yet. They don't mention so it. it could be years or never. Like it, it's still stuff in there that the designer has left in as like golden nuggets, I guess. Whoa, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> should we, should we talk records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the records. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to just start wherever do you like? Start with this one. All right. Um, so talk to me. We got Sonic Youth Sister here. Sonic Youth Sister was the first. Record. I mean, this is the first album uh, that I bought, and it's so crucial to all of the stuff that I'm about. It's interesting. I owned the original that before any of the images were blacked out. Yep. And there was like a really psychotic, like Ronald McDonald thing. I think that's blacked out, or or Daffy Duck. I think, and then there was also a weird picture. I think of maybe Disneyland or something, but. Eventually, people got upset and weirded out by some of the images. And um, But anyway, um, I quested to have this record. I used to um, skateboard really, really far from one side of town to the other um, and to the mall where this record, record bar was. And I would research records by either mail order or looking in Maxim Rock and Roll or Flipside. Yep. And I would look at what labels were releasing what. And they used to put their bands and all the records they had. And Discord records were great because you could see all the stuff. They were like, there would be like a little slip in there and it yeah. explained what was happening. Merge did the same thing. Yeah. So, um, but I, I read about Sonic Youth in Thrasher magazine and just a description of the band and how cool Kim Gordon looked actually. Yeah. The rest of yeah. the guys looked like people I knew. Yeah. And then Kim Gordon... I was just like, wow! Like, what is she, what is what is she about? Like, yeah. what is, and she sings like, wow! This is gonna be amazing. I just I felt compelled. I loved the name and like I and I, I loved the song titles that they were mentioning and um. So I, I went and I found it, and I deliberated and I was like, I'm gonna get it. I think it was deliberating between it and something else. Maybe it was like a Meat Puppets record or something. I got it and I remember I put it on, uh, when I got home. And I was laying in bed listening, and I remember that it felt, uh, it felt what I thought drugs were like. <laughs> yeah, it was. It took me to such a deep place that I think I couldn't stop listening, and I couldn't. My brain couldn't process even what it was. I remember thinking like, I don't even understand what I'm listening to. Totally, the way it changes and all of the moods and the guitars. I had never heard anything like it. Yeah, and I was absolutely in love with it it just i mean it's sonically one of the most i think beautiful albums ever recorded yeah. wharton tears made it wharton tears is an incredible engineer and he recorded a lot of the records from sonic youth's heyday um 
and he's a very strange person where I've never really been able to get much information um, about him or what he did, except for I know that he used an all-tube console because there was an interview with Thurston talked about it, and that um, they just went in and they were prepared, and it he made Evol as well. Uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so I actually... S- tried to find other records that he made and I couldn't find many. But this record in particular, to me, it's there's no bad song on it. And in fact, it's so romantic and so edgy and so alive that I feel like it's a living entity, this record. Well, what song are we going to give our listeners? What will be the top? I know, I know you've already so, just said. No, it's so hard to choose. Um, I mean... Uh, Oh my God! Which which one do we want to play? I guess maybe we should just do Schizophrenia, okay. just just because that's the beginning of the record, and it kind of lets you know like what kind of a ride you're in for. Yeah. So let's let's hear that. Let's set it up for me, Ryan. You're listening to Sonic Youth. The song is Schizophrenia from the Sister LP.
That was Sonic Youth with Schizophrenia from their sister LP. And we're back now. Now uh, we're going to talk about the Melvins Houdini. Um, it's interesting. I didn't first think that I would pick this record, but I realized that this record spends a lot of time in my car. Um, Melvin spent a lot of time in my car. Yeah. And uh, they just work with L.A. traffic, and they really work with me. And I've always loved them. I was, Since I ever first heard them and how heavy they were, Ozma um, blew my mind, especially because I realized that they could be really fast if they wanted to be. Yeah. I thought that was the power. They, they showed me that um, power early on. So I loved that they chose to be this slow, crazy, crazy band. Um, Bullhead is like unbelievable and probably like one of the most classic records of all time. It's its own language. But this record, you could, I mean, even the cover, it's kind of iconic. Um, and it sort of, I feel like this record, um, 1993, I feel like this record could have been and sort of was like they're sort of stepping out for a second record. And um, it starts with like one of the heaviest, most ridiculous songs of all time. And um, you hear Dale Crover start this record and the way he's hitting his toms and the sound of the drums is it sounds like he's playing in an airplane hangar. (laughs) And then the guitars come in and you're just like, wow, like this is this is amazing. They were one of my first concerts. They might have been my second or third in Richmond, Virginia. Rode with my oh, well, friends yeah. all the mm-hmm. way up to Richmond from North Carolina to see them. And this band called Math opened that no one can seem to find any history of. Cool. They might have only played a few shows, yeah. and they were amazing. But um, Buzz was really cool, and I was younger. I was, like, maybe 18, and he was totally cool. He let me in, and and it was like, here, like, hide in, this, hide in the side so you're cool. And then, like, and he was like, just watch from the side of the stage. You're with us. And so it it blew my mind. Anyway, the song we should listen to, I think, from this record, this record is really weird, and they do some stuff that they would never do in this record, um, in, including a cover of Going Blind, yeah. <laughs> My Kiss, which is super weird, um, but not for them. But, but awesome. Yeah, because they, yeah, they're kind of like the power of the demon of Kiss, you know, of that idea of Gene's character. I feel like that's really in them, you know. But I think we should listen to Hooch because it's – it's just a powerhouse opener of all time. So here it is. The Melvins, Houdini, and the song is the first song on the record, Hooch.
That was Hooch from the Melvin's Houdini. I can imagine you sitting in a traffic jam <laughs> listening to that really loudly. Do you have road rage in L.A.? Do you get... No, I have a Porsche 911. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have incredible speed. <laughs> and, and some pretty powerful brakes. Um, yeah, you know, you got to just find... You know, in L.A., you learn it, and you learn to, how to go around obstacles really quickly and get where you want to go. Yeah. Um, Another early record that I loved that really changed the way I played and the way that I felt about music um, was a record. There were many records, but a couple of the records that I read about in Rolling Stone early on that I was attracted to what they were were Galaxy 500 on Fire, Sonic Youth Daydream Nation. I couldn't wait to get that yeah. from the yeah. review. But another was this band that seemed really weird to me, and the cover seemed so sophisticated that I was really attracted to it. Also, they were on this sampler called Human Music, which was a Homestead record sampler, where a lot of my favorite bands have come from. I mean, unbelievable amounts of them. Bands that were on other labels were even on that. Antietam was one of them, and the Verlaines, and you know, the Chills. I mean, there's just so many beautiful bands that came from that, yeah. that record, and Honor Roll was on that record. But one that really blew my mind was Yola Tango. And I found this record, Yola Tango Fake Book, which yeah. is unlike their other records, but strangely so beautiful. I found it early on. It says here on this version, originally released in 1990, this is Yola Tango laying out the vast playing field of their influences and curating a great deal of what will become the modern canon of pop music. That was from Stereo Gum. And uh, it says full album download included which negates the whole thing but whatever you have to run to you have your to, nearest record store yeah, and buy you, one. yeah you, you have to do it yeah you have to do it now you have to give people the the, 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 the cloud version so um here's a funny thing produced by gene holder i was emailing with gene holder late last night our late last night here in london mm -hmm. england for all you people listening out there probably in england um and Gene Holder, uh, he ran a studio and Water Music in Hoboken. So he recorded a lot of these great artists. And uh, he even actually played bass on the summer on this record. But he sells me gear. He'll have some Western Electric or General Electric or EMI channels once in a while. He'll find them and they'll be in some old place. And, but he actually found a General Electric console, unheard of. And it's complete and it's been wrapped up and it's in this barn somewhere and I'm going to get the details on it in the oh, next wow. few days so that's pretty weird that's coincidence cool. yeah. um, but this record is beautiful because it's Yola Tango and they've kind of quieted down there's a stand up bass you know um, Georgia sings and she still plays her cool drums which are like very velvet underground and yeah. like Mo Tucker-ish and just um, you know Ira is like got such an unbelievable voice and it's soothing at the same time he could be edgy um, and then Dave Scram uh, I can't say his last name, but he played guitar, steel guitar, and organ, and Al Greller played double bass. So that's pretty cool. Um, this record has so many beautiful, beautiful songs, including it introduced me to Daniel Johnson because the uh, last song on, on side one is Speeding Motorcycle. And I never knew who wrote that, um, you know, because before the internet, you just didn't know. You didn't know unless you really, really looked at all the names. And, yeah. Um, but... This record is just tremendous. It it has the has songs that 
you feel like you've heard a thousand times, like here comes my baby and, you know, um, yellow sarong. And, um, and it was like they were pulling songs out of some kind of lost American songbook. But these songs really, a lot of these didn't exist. Yeah. And it's really beautiful. It is yeah. so, so, so beautiful. It's, um, um, I mean, it's really hard to pick a song from this record. Um, it's too bad you're going to have to. Yeah, but I'm going to pick <laughs> because I think it's going to make sense for a new listener. I think that um, it should be You Tore Me Down because I think that we should listen to Georgia sing because um, Ira is great and you're, you'll get there. But You Tore Me Down has a beautiful intro that just, I mean, if you have feelings, it's going to touch all of them. <laughs> yeah. So here it is. You Tore Me Down from Yola Tango off the Fake Book album. That was You Tore Me Down off of Yola Tango Fake Book. We're back live. Um, London, you, England, we're live right now. <laughs> when you said that you listened to Sonic Youth, you listened to it first in your bed, um, and then you said you listened to the Melvins in your car, where would you suggest that that last track should be listened to? Great question, Lib. Thank you, Nick. 
I would say in the morning or on a Sunday, maybe in the living room, put it on and just kind of lay on the couch and just like look at the let the open the window, let the sun kind of fall on your face and just sort of drift with it, you know? Oh, that sounds nice. Excellent answer. <laughs> I, I saw them about 10 years ago. They did a gig where they only did songs requested by the audience the entire gig. Yeah, that sounds like them. That's <laughs> so nice. <laughs> I was just thinking nice. about how terrible that would be for like most musicians, but they seem to pull it off all right. I mean, for sure. I mean, anyone with a deep enough catalog, but Yola Tango can break a lot of rules because yeah. mm-hmm. I feel like they're sort of... They're kind of interesting. The Ola Tango are famous in that Woody Allen famous way. Like they're famous if you've been really done your homework yeah. and you really yeah. watched the movies and you really want to know. Yeah. And and I love that. I think that that's the best kind. Um, which brings us to a really crucial band, a really unbelievable band in my life. The first club gig I ever saw was this band, Dinosaur Jr. The first time I ever stood in front of a guitar player um, in, a, in a venue was to see Dinosaur Jr., which is pretty unbelievable. Where was this at? Chapel Hill. It was at the Cat's Cradle that was originally, there were three, yeah. not the very, very first one, but the second one that was on Franklin Street. Yeah. Um, I went I went there to watch them, and this band called Finger opened, and Finger had this guy, Brad Rice, playing guitar in it, and I was like, wow, he's such a great guitar player, and they were so ragged and like Rolling Stones-ish. And I knew that they were on Merge, and I remember thinking, this doesn't sound like a Merge band at all. Of course, they were a Raleigh band. That's why. Yeah. And so when I walked in front of Jay, who was playing guitar, I I stood there for a long time because there was this jazz master out in these huge Marshall stacks. And he plugged in. They came out, and it was him, Murph, and Lou. And they came out to play, and I remember the second he played the first note, it was so loud that I – felt my hair move and then the, and then the whole back of my neck stood up and I mean instantly I didn't really have hearing anymore yeah. like it was unbelievable but this record is so feverish and scratched out and the and the notes are wild and there's real weird metal guitar solos in the middle of what sounds like beautiful pop music that's somehow like getting reinterpreted through like a jet engine amp um there's a lot of cool drum rolls. Sometimes the guitars are so loud you can't hear anything else. And I really feel like this record, um, it, I, th- I feel like it does something that other records don't do. And I, th- I feel like it sort of set into motion a lot of things that came after it because it, it really broke tons of rules. I mean, for even any weird band like Can or New or Faust, this record changed songwriting, I think, in a huge way. It came out in 1988. It was on SST Records. Um, and, uh, you know, th- there's so many great, great songs on this record. And this is another rec- record where it they really chose the first song on purpose. And, yeah. and it's an anthem, and it's even kind of name-checked in Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth. But So we're going to listen to Freak Scene, an incredible song that I was asked to play on recently <laughs> in New York and I couldn't go. Oh, God. I, I couldn't go. They were like, come down, we're going to do like this anniversary of our band and we want you to play in Freak Scene and I was so stoked to do it and I couldn't do it. Yeah, they did like a five night run or something or they did all their albums or yeah, something. Yeah, Bob Mould did one night and, I, and yeah. I talked to Bob and he was like, they want you down there and I was going and um, but uh, I couldn't do it. There was a family emergency. So, but anyway, so this is Freak Scene from Dinosaur Jr. Bug. To eye you, but I seen too much to try you. 
back you're listening to bbc 17 <laughs> rough trade radio. very good radio dj you seem to have got it down you're listening to bbc nine <laughs> rough trade um that was freak scene by dinosaur jr off the bug lp and we're gonna wrap it up now with an album that i chose because it seems honest to choose records that really took you someplace and very early on I felt a lot of feelings, obviously, because I'm Mr. Feelings most of the time. And uh, although maybe a little more lighthearted than people would know. Um, but I early on loved The Cure. The Cure were 
they were just they were a lot to me they meant a lot but no record will ever mean as much to me um in its own way or a band in its own way than the cure disintegration which is this as a band at their prime this is a band that's like somehow fusing all the elements of what they could be and it's the peak powers and there's nothing like peak powers for a band um it's just unbelievable disintegration is a masterpiece from front to back and it's really hard to choose a song of like what would be the best song for a listener if they haven't heard this record. Um, I would recommend probably listening to the first and second song because there's a kind of ease in the beginning sort of and like a grandeur, I believe. But the song that makes me feel like it would be an urgent listen for, it, for anyone um, is Disintegration is the song Disintegration, which on this particular vinyl is side D. Um, but uh, so here we go. This is The Cure, Disintegration, off of the album Disintegration.
And we're back. Rough Trade Radio, BBC Nine. BBC Nine. And um, I'm Lawrence Whiskers from BBC Nine. Um, <laughs> Lawrence Whiskers. Lawrence Whiskers. <laughs> and <laughs> so you just heard The Cure Disintegration off of Disintegration. And uh, yeah, uh, we're live right now down at the store. So if you want to come down here and buy all my records and stuff, I'll give you a foot massage. I'm sure that'll happen. Yes. Um, I think you're very good at picking out records in record time. I think you only had like 10 minutes, maybe eight minutes to pick out records. And each one you've pretty much just given like a, a spotless monologue on why you picked it and how it's changed you in some way, which is exactly what we want. But normally, you know, people kind of pick out whatever and it's like new stuff and stuff. I don't know. But um, you've done, I don't know, the best. Yes, maybe we've done had. really well. <laughs> done really well. Yeah, you seem to be able to sum up very succinctly what it is that records mean to you. And it seems, I mean, I imagine your whole collection, I can't even. There's not that many. I mean, there are, but there's, I mean, it would be one row here or something of a section. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and maybe not even that, but they're all sought out. They're things I was particularly looking for. Yeah. yeah. And if it's not for me, I usually like will give it to a friend that I think might like it. But yeah. most of the records I want, I seek out. And I still don't have every one, but I've got a lot of the ones I was looking for. Yeah. A lot of rare seven inches, things that other people wouldn't listen to. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of uh, – it's great. Like record collecting is – it's good. It's healthy for your mind and it it's also healthy for your soul because it means that you're participating in – something tangible and piece of art that you can study it, you know? And what's interesting is, is it's images. It's a, it's a actual record. So putting it on and listening is a ritual. You actually yeah. have to get up and turn the side and you can mm -hmm. hear what's happening. And, yeah. and I think everything down to the label on it and what's included, it's at the correct size. Records are the records are when we look at, you know, art online, when we think about concepts of what music is, this is what they're all based on. They're based on records, yeah. And they 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 matter because you can you can own a record and love it, and it can be meaningful to you. And you could pass it on when you're done, when you're later in life, or to someone that 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 matters to you. I think that that's really crucial. That's yeah. why that's why record stores matter, and that's why I think people who collect records and listen to records are usually maybe shy or weird and very thoughtful, and maybe potentially jaded, but um, also maybe potentially... It's pretty right. It's oh, pretty spot on. <laughs> but like maybe potentially also um, they're processing information in a really beautiful way and it's nice. I think it's a, I think it's a really grand tr tradition and as someone that makes records, I have to say it's the thing that compels you to keep making them is that the ones that came before you are always going to be better. They're always going to feel like the thing that... that made you go forward and then eventually your best possible hope is that you become one of those things to somebody after you yeah. you know so anyway for everybody out there listening you're listening to rough trade radio lawrence whiskers thank you lawrence Th thank you lawrence thank you <laughs> nice whiskers thank you so much uh we're gonna sign off now and i hope everyone out there is having a nice afternoon or evening whatever time it is right now there's no way for us to know and yeah we'll i guess we'll uh maybe come back another day when you're next in london we can do it again if you like absolutely every time All right, bye bye rough, rough trade, trade radio, radio.
Laura Kana, Yesterday's Gone. A little bit of life after death. Available in store and online at roughtrade.com. With the lines, I'm obsessed. Rhymes I possess, can't deny. Seen the biggest guys cry to confess in the breath. Fresh death, pass in the chest. Unimpressed with the cess left. Scars in the flesh, he's the best.